0: Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Roy Rosen, and you're listening to the Story Podcast. Today, I have on three amazing, awesome guests that are also performing tonight at Telus 367 o'clock. Be sure to get there. Today, these guys all are. We have Kato Ogawa, Bob Lanzetti, Zach Brock. Let's start off with Zach Brock. Critically acclaimed as the preeminent improvising violinist of the generation, Zach Brock is an American jazz violinist and Grammy Award-winning member of Snarky Puppy. He has toured, recorded, and performed with artists such as Stanley Clark, Aaron Goldberg, Wycliffe Gordon, Matt Uleri, Rochelle Willis, Banda Magda, Bill Lawrence, Zip, Phil Markowitz, Martha Martha Redbone, and many more. Zach has also released eight solo albums and was named Rising Star Violinist of 2013 by Downbeat Magazine. Passionate educator, Zach has coached hundreds of musicians from workshops to conservatories worldwide. Zach remains a perennial coffee fanatic and skateboard enthusiast and currently lives with his wife and daughters in the New York City area. On to Bob Lanzetti, Bob Lanzetti is a Charleston, South Carolina-based professional guitarist, composer, producer, and educator. Bob is an original member of the Grammy Award-winning jazz funk collective Snarky Puppy and has performed in over 40 countries and played in every recorded release to date, in addition to Snarky Puppy, Bob has performed and recorded with many artists including Tommy Sims, Jerry Grinelli, Robin Ford, Okante, Michelle Willis, Becca Stevens, Corey Henry, Ghost Notes, Lucy Woodward, Banda Magda, and many more. And then last but certainly not least, we have Keita Ogawa, hailing originally from Sasebo City, Nagasaki, Japan, Keda Ogawa is a two-time Grammy nominee and award winner and one of the most versatile and sought-after percussionists and drummers in New York City. Since his 20- 2005 arrival in America, Keda has worked with some of the biggest names in modern music, including Yo-Yo Ma, the Assad Brothers, Mary Schneider, Romero Lobambo, Clarice Asad, Jacques Morel Limbaugh, Os- Osvaldo Galihov. Les Nubians, Charlie Hunter, Benny Green, Eric Harlan, and the Boston Symphony, Chicago Symphony Orchestra, and more. Currently, he works in several projects, including Snarky Puppy, Boncante, Banda Magda, Cecile, McLaurin, Salvant, Charlie Hunter, Jay's Quad, Camila Meza, and the Nectar Orchestra, Clarence Assad, Clarice Assad, and many more. Guys, how are you doing today? Good. 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 Thanks for having us. Yeah. Of course. I'm super excited to to have you guys on. Let's get right into it. So let's start with you, Kata. Yeah. When did the music bug bite you?
1: Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> when, did the,
0: when did you start falling in love with music? When did, when did you uh, realize uh, that music went, was what you wanted to do?
1: I think I ran uh, middle school. Um, actually, right before the middle school. And uh, um, the reason I wanted to play drums was um, I watched it. Like a local TV program, they were um, doing jazz live program at the time. And uh, I watched a ton on the TV. And at the moment, I saw it was like a drum solo moment. And it was so cool, you know. So I kind of fell into the, you know, drumming stuff. So then when I uh, uh, went to the middle school, all my friends started playing like a rock band and stuff. So, you know, I kind of raised my hand. Hey,
2: let me do the drums. For you Bob? Uh, well my dad plays the guitar too so that was uh, how I first got into it. I think I was about 12 when I started. Uh, I was a huge Beatles fan uh, and my dad had a Beatles book and like the guitar laying around so I just started kind of like figuring that out that way. That's how I got into it initially and then um, I started playing with his band after a couple years and um, yeah at, at that point I was like oh my Being in a band is so fun. (laughs) So then I was like hooked at that point.
3: And you, Zach? I started playing violin uh, as a very young kid, Suzuki violin. I was about four, I think. Um, My parents are musicians. My dad's a trumpet player and uh, guitarist and vocalist, uh, singer. And my mom is a singer uh, as well. She she was a vocal teacher uh, when I was growing up. And so we had a family band, and so I was sort of doing classical music and then learning, you know, just folk music and stuff like that and, and uh, different others, you know, different styles. And uh, I, I don't know, I think that's where my love of improvisation came out of that was sort of the looseness of being able to take melodies uh, in these other ways and kind of twist them around and, and yeah, been playing music a long time.
0: And well, and you guys have certainly grown since you first started, for sure. Uh, Kaita, you uh, grew up in Japan. What was it like to perform in a band in Japan, and then what? What did? You, what made you decide to go come over to the U.S.?
1: Um. Uh. Well, I kind of like. So I grew up. My my city has American base. Mm. So I, so U.S. connection is kind of closer. Um, to me since when I, you know, since I was a kid. Um, so um, then I started going to, the like, uh, English school when I was seven. So I, you know, I always go into, like, American-based some kind of events, Halloween events and other stuff, you know. So I was always, like, kind of, you know, interested coming in U.S. some point. And then when I started music, there's a um, s- couple people recommend me to, Um, go study to, you know, study music in the U.S. So after I went to music college in Japan and, uh, I, you know, um, came here to study more, you know, music.
0: And at what point did you guys, uh, connect with Snarky Puppy and the rest of the band members? Uh,
1: so I met, first time I met Mike Lee, uh, around 2009, um. I was in New York, or uh, I moved to New York after the um, the music college in Boston, and um, I was touring with a group, different group, and in Ohio, uh, I I had a show in Ohio, and my mentor, uh, Jamie Haddad, he's a great percussion drummer, percussionist a drummer. He he lives in Ohio, and he calls me up. Hey man, um, we're doing a recording session. Just just come over and then stop stop by and play one tune. So I went to the studio and Mike Lee was playing bass and uh that's how I met Mike and he was he was like before he moved to New York and we you know, we kinda you know, chat and uh and then um exchanged contact and he gave me Snarky Puppy um recording album that he just released at the time. And uh after he moved New York and uh we started playing, you know, all the d- gigs and stuff and then I met Bob early on, and we started also playing at different groups together. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I met uh, Jack, And uh, uh, during the same time, we did a, uh album called Ground Up in mm-hmm. New York. So, yeah, that's how I met these guys.
0: And Bob, as an original member of Snarky Puppy, what was it like to build that up from the ground, essentially?
2: Uh, it was uh, interesting. I mean, you know, when when Mike first wanted to do it, Uh, it was like 2004, I guess, maybe even 2003. And, uh, you know, I thought of it as just like, oh, you know, Mike Lee wants to make a record. Okay, cool. And uh, so we went to the studio in like 2004 for the first record. We did a couple rehearsals before that. Um, And then after that, I just kind of felt like that was probably it. You know, I actually moved to New York shortly after that and uh, didn't know if we would ever do anything again. Really? Yeah. And then uh, he called me to make another record. And I was like, oh, this is like a band, not just like a record for you. (laughs) So then I went back to Texas and we made another record. And I was like, oh, this is pretty cool, actually. (laughs) So then uh, we'd started and then we started touring a little bit. So it was like really, you know, slow growth and just like a snowball just kind of kept rolling. And he kept. Writing new tunes and kept wanting to do more stuff, and after a little while, it started to, you know, we all started to feel really invested in it, you know. Uh, the more time we were playing with the band, and it was, you know, uh, and it kept, it kept continuing to grow and, and move forward. So uh, we got more and more inspired, and and you know, uh, like you know, wanted to see it through and see where it ended up. So, you know, what it ended up turning into, it's something we never, none of us ever expected. You
0: know. And uh, Zach, when did you start coming into the fray?
3: I was living in Chicago, and uh, that's where I went to school, and that's where I started my first bands, and the drummer in uh, the second iteration of my first band was, I didn't know this, but a friend of, of Bob's and Mike's, and had gone to school with them, and was actually very briefly, the first drummer in Snarky Puppy. And so uh, at the time, I was learning how to book my own little tours around the Midwest and you know just getting into stuff like that, trying to, trying to make it happen. And uh, uh, this drummer is named John Diedemeyer, by the way. He lives in Chicago. He's an incredible, incredible musician, incredible drummer. And uh, uh, what happened? Uh, Mike reached out to John because Mike was trying to get Snarky Puppy out of just the Dallas area, out of sort of the south. They, they had an area they were touring, but he was trying to reach out to different places. And so he was talking to his fellow musicians about, hey, do you know anybody in this city? Do you know anybody here or here? And put stuff together like that. And so uh, the deal was we try we trade on some, some gigs uh, and say like, oh, you get some contacts, book a gig in Chicago and you could play a set and then you could sit in with us. We'll play a set, you know, and do it like that. So that's originally how I met these guys. And then the gig in Chicago, I, I jumped in the van and we, uh, I don't know, I, I, I think we went to Ann Arbor and, yeah, it's, you know, it's just so. some various places, you know, Michigan, I was just kind of, you know, on a, on a little thing. You know, we were in the 12 passenger van with the trailer in the back that was always getting a flat tire, <laughs> playing at bookstores and stuff for three people. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that's how I met them. And, uh, and of course, that's how I met Keta at uh, at the ground up recording. I think the the first one I played on was called Bring Us the Bright. And that was also, I believe, the first one that Bill Lawrence was on.
2: No, Bill's on the first one. Oh, he's on the first one? Oh, okay. But he's not on the second
3: one. Oh, Okay. Well, yeah, that was the first one I was on, and I always remember that, too, because that was like the first solo I ever took in a Snarky Puppy tune was on 34 Klezma, which is Bill's tune. And so, yeah.
0: Um, I don't know if this, if this was before or after, but you have also been uh, shipped off places by the Department of State to play. What was that like?
3: It's great. I suggest that everybody do it if you believe in uh, world peace and bringing societies together. <laughs> Use your government for something good by right. taking the money that they've got, and instead of making bombs and things like that, uh, go out and uh, have cultural exchanges with people from different places. I, I really just stand behind that. It's a special thing that music can do. You don't have to know how to speak a language where you go. All you need to do is just play music, and uh, you know that's just something that I've I got into. Yeah, actually, well. You know, it came about through some failures. You know, like the first time I did it, I was trying out with a trio of mine for a thing that at the time was called American Music Abroad. They sort of changed the name every few years. And we got to the final round. Um, and what happens is if you, if you get it, then the State Department pays for a tour and you go around different places and, and you play. So we got to the final round and then we were cut. So we didn't, you know, um, it was, you know, it was like, well, let's see what happens. I was living in New York. I was playing with Snarky and, you know, other stuff. So it was a bit of a lark. And I was like, okay, well, that's that. Like a day later, I'm, uh, you know, in the drugstore by my apartment and my phone rings and there's a DC number on my phone. I'm like, this is weird. I don't know anybody in DC. I'm waiting in line. I'm bored. I might as well just answer. Answered the phone, and it was somebody at the Department of State saying, Hey, I was talking to so and so who was at your guys' audition, and they really liked you a lot. And we've got this weird thing, uh, it's kind of last minute, but we're, we're trying to do this thing in the Solomon Islands, um, which is, if, you know, you've got to fly to Japan and then Australia. And then you got to chill out for a day, and then you got to fly back into the Pacific Ocean three more hours mm. <laughs> from Australia. <laughs> it's like really <laughs> it's it, intense to get to. Day. Yeah, long travel day, and yeah, that was a, a you know a failure that uh, became not so much of a failure It was like a lifetime adventure. Um, and actually, one of the tunes I ended up writing and playing with these guys, and then it's on the the new Snarky record, uh, Empire Central. is called Haniara, which is. Where we were based when we were in the Solomon Islands. Um, yeah, that's the whole story. That's awesome, mm-hmm. Keita, um You have written
0: for Japan's national TV. What was that like? How'd you get that?
1: Well, uh, I, I had, um, I was reached. Uh, I first of all, the uh, one of the group. I, it's like kind of collective Japanese group. They were at the time they were all um based in New York and some of them are already in J- like moved to Japan. Um uh, but it's called the J Squad. It's just like a jazz quintet. And uh that one was like formed by uh one of a national T V uh company um in Japan. They want us to make a, you know, the theme song for that. So we we composed the tune, and um, yeah, so that was like every night um, they play our, you, you know, uh, I mean, the music was, you know, playing every night in the national TV for, I think it was three, four years, and uh, first time, I think I was on an album, the one that snucky got, um, Snucky won the Grammy, and of course, they wanted to kind of, you know, you know, take advantage, and they wanted to kind of celebrate so i was on a tv and uh you know and in a bunch of different national tv program and stuff and then after that yeah uh after a couple you know some other nominations and grammy win and every time i get reached to those people stuff <laughs> <laughs> you know <laughs> stuff, ha- stuff happens yeah and know. then even like last one was like 2020 2021 uh won the royal Albert Hall the live album uh, me and they want they want my wife to be on the TV too so <laughs> we both actually we did a Zoom thing interview on a live and we both kind of talk on the TV and stuff it's yeah a lot of it was, fun. Yeah,
0: it was fun so Bob uh, being a part of Snarky Puppy what was it like when you realized that oh you're being nominated for a Grammy
2: uh, yeah that was uh, a shock um, I mean we never like I said before we never expected anything like that to happen I mean it seemed like that doesn't happen to jazz bands. That happens to, like, just pop groups, right? you know, with singers. So uh, it was a big shock. And then, uh, you know, when we won, I mean, that was even more of a shock. Right. We, did, we didn't expect to win. We were like, okay, well, well, go. It'll be nice, you know, to go and check it out. And it's so nice to be nominated. We had already, like, assumed that we were going to lose. Um, so it was, like, it was crazy. You know, it was uh, very exciting. And, um, uh, you know, it just propelled the band forward. I mean, we were able to play you know, more lucrative gigs with um and and get some level of recognition in in the industry which has helped, you know, continue moving forward too. So yeah, I mean, you know, everybody should try and win a Grammy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I remember the actually the first one, you know, yeah. Snarky Puppy um the one uh family dinner stuff, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, you know, albums, the, when they win, even nominated, I, w- I remember the, so like, nomination announced on November, right? Mm-hmm. November, so the, you know, before the November, we toured in the, you know, US in the summer, August, we toured in August, I remember we were, we had a conversation in the 15 passenger band about the Grammy thing, and then remember mm-hmm. Mike says like, you know, there's no way, like, you know, the band like us, in a small level, you know, have gonna be recognized, you know, as mm-hmm. a Grammy nomination and a win mm-hmm. and stuff. And you know, he w- we were just we were just talked about, you know, mm-hmm. in the van. And then a couple months later, he yeah. got nominated. I was like, "Wow!" I was like, we got boy got what? That's crazy! Nominated for
2: a Grammy. That's
0: so awesome! Yeah, it was it was crazy,
2: man. It was it was cool.
0: So Zach, as a as a solo or as a touring artist, you have toured lots of people. Uh, what is it like to be a tour violinist what what's all that what what's all that goes into that
3: <laughs> uh, you know it's 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 great you know i I love it it's it's everything I think that I probably ever wanted to do i I just love to travel a lot I love to go to places where uh, you know I'm experiencing new things and and I'm disoriented and excited at the same time uh, you know I, I feel my 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 view of humanity always expands a little bit. Mm. And I, I, I love that feeling. And to be able to do that with music, um, which is, I guess, me putting my best foot forward uh, and doing it, I'm just glad to do it. Touring as a violinist, I mean, you know, that's that's a an expansive question. You know, there's a lot of violinists out there that that tour, maybe less that play the kind of music that we play. So there's technical considerations and certain things that you have to get together, but, um, it's an easy instrument to fit in an overhead, uh, you know, and it's pretty light, so pretty easy to travel with. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun.
0: Who do you think has been some of your uh, favorite artists to travel with?
3: Snarky Bobby. Fair enough. I mean, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not, I mean, I'll just straight up say that, uh, you know, we've I think we've done it in in all kinds of different ways, but the thing that makes this band so special for me is that everybody really has a lot of respect and has a lot of fun with each other at the same time. Yeah. And you know, of course, we're human beings, and not everything is perfect all the time, and there's hardships and and ups and downs. But over the years, uh, it's just everybody is so considerate and uh so supportive of one another and it just it's always the best part of my year you know when i get to do that to play uh you know with my friends they push me they kick my butt you know they're just like the level of playing uh is always been very high and it's going up every year it's every year it's going up so every year you you come back and you come back to the tour and you're like oh man i I, I gotta bring, I have to bring something new. And that's a great situation to be in. Uh, really doesn't let you stagnate with your, your musicianship, your concept, um, and, and also that's one of the things that makes Snarky Puppy, to me, such a, a jazz band, even though when you think about jazz music, it doesn't sound at all like what people might normally call jazz, right. but the fact that it's always growing, it's always assimilating new things It's open to influences from all members of the band, and the way that Mike has set it up to allow people to contribute to bring their their voice. When Bob brings in a tune, and I have to figure out what he was thinking when he wrote this, and how I'm going to play on it, but also with these other people, it's a it's like putting together a puzzle. Um, It's like group effort puzzle time, and uh, that's that's the best traveling, you know. But and you know we do. It's it's much easier now. Um, that's not to say that travel of any kind is that easy because you always eventually right. get kind of worn out. Um, but it's it's easier now. And, uh, uh, you know, as, as for the other folks that I, I travel with and continue to do uh, with, uh, I, I love it too. So it's not like I'm ruined for everything. I mean, right now the th- stuff that Keita and Bob and I are doing is, is kind of like going back in time 10 years this is what we were doing 10 years ago it's like well just because we play in snarky puppy doesn't mean that when we do this new project of ours that we're going to be flying to gigs and you know have a bus driver and stuff like that it's like you got to get back in the minivan and get to the lobby on time and come to the podcast you know what i'm saying right right
0: (laughs) so so bob i don't well i don't know who is the band leader of this but what what is this project that you guys are putting together what is the goal of this project
2: Yes, well, yeah. So all three of us lead it. Really, it's not any one member. Um, and the goal of it, cut off one head, another one just springs up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess the goal of it is just like you know, try and uh, you know, uh, write some new music and challenge ourselves and and do you know, do a new project. I mean, it started out in the you know when COVID was real was all over it was real rough me and zach were both in new jersey so we just started doing things because it was just two people so we were like we'll minimize the amount of exposure to covid if it's just two of us so we were doing some gigs like that um and then at some point uh it was a gig where we it was a little bit bigger of a gig we needed a, a drummer so we were like, well, if Kate is available, he can play, like, a cool percussion setup instead of just, like, a regular drum set. And uh, so then we did that, and we were like, I think this is a band, <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, if it, just, it was really fun. It felt really good. It was interesting without having bass. Um, I was playing mostly acoustic guitar, which I, this is the only band I really do that with. Um, so then we just decided to try and, like, keep keep it going. Um so yeah, so we did another tour after that, and then and now we're doing this, and we're gonna do this recording in a few days. We're making a record in a few days. Um, so yeah, so we'll see what happens after that happens.
0: And uh, mentioning Keda and his uh, lots of drums, what is some of the most unique drums that you have used that you have played? Or what's the most difficult maybe styles that you know?
2: Mm. He builds a lot of his own drums. Uh, really yeah yeah
1: i mean kind of modified and stuff a human skull yeah you know what you want to uh actually that that's kind of exist uh, they this is some kind of the drums they use with human skull or it's human bones or you know or oh, uh, no 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 human skin, oh. skin? yeah I, I think I saw, yeah, whatever, but yeah, oh yeah, I never, I never, I never seen, you know. Seen say, I you, just, I you about a size four? <laughs> I just saw it in the picture, but. Um, oh, that's crazy. Uh, unique drums, I don't know, uh, you know what, because I've seen a lot of different, um, you know, different type of the drums and, you know, instruments all over the place, and, you know, and then I think, you know, depends on the people, see mm. you know, and some people say, wow. What is this rum you know, never send in you know, some people to you know unique to some people and then it's kinda regular to some people you know, but um, I don't know it's hard to choose actually um well um uh, yeah, I mean uh, I don't know i I kinda like everything you know <laughs> <laughs> you know um. Uh, yeah, any 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 anything that really, you know, really kind of touched to my, you know, my heart like, you know, when you play, you know, if you go when when I travel and um, you know, see some new instruments. and when you play it and then, you know, if it really talks to me, I just like fell in love, you know. Mm-hmm. And then kind of like bring into my collection or set or you know, to you know. And uh Style, I mean, it's uh, everything is hard, you know. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. I mean, if, if you kind of like, you know, really get into deeper, you know, to the all all kind of tra- traditional music, it's like, I think it's hard, you know. If you're not, I mean, these people, you know, playing like for whole life and stuff. So, but i um, you know, that's not what I'm doing. Trying to do, I'm kind of like, uh, you know. Get every kinda best part of you know, <laughs> each stuff and, you know, cooking together yeah. and stuff, you yeah. know. That's awesome. Yeah.
0: So as a as a group, how what are some of the funniest stories that, that you have had or some of the something where something completely went wrong or something went completely right in the funniest way? Zach, where to start?
3: Uh, I don't know. Does somebody have something on the top of their uh, minds that mm. I might have to think of it? I have to think of one that's PG rated, too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'll, t- I'll say that we, we laugh a lot. You know, <laughs> I mean, part of, part of getting along on the road and kind of maintaining your, your sense of equilibrium and self and health and, you know, when you're exhausted, you know, we, just, we, we find stuff to laugh about. There's just there's always funny stuff. And and also there's things that are not funny at the time that are actually extremely anger invoking right. that then later are very funny. <laughs> That's true, yeah. <laughs> those are always actually the really yeah, the funniest. Those are pretty funny. Like yeah. when something so extreme happens that you can't keep your cool. <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay. I thought of one. Um so so uh this is before this is the same tour I think where we started playing with Keita. But Bob and I had played at this place in Syracuse, New York, and uh we uh We were were staying at this old hotel in Syracuse, this old historic hotel, right down the the street from the venue. Um, But it was, like, even with the hotel parking lot, it was a kind of place where you're not going to leave anything in the car, especially not any any of your gear, anything like that. So we brought everything. We didn't have a whole ton, but, you know, we had our suitcases, we had our amps, Mm -hmm. Uh, a lot of the places... You know when we when we play with Snarky in a bigger venues, usually there's backline, or if you're playing in New York City, there's always backline. But right. as soon as you go out on the road, you have to have your amp. You got to you know you've got all your gear. So we had all that stuff, and um, we checked into the hotel, and then the next day we found out that oh, and we, and we were on the top floor, which is like the eighth floor, and uh, in the middle of the night, I guess the elevator broke, and we were trying to get out of it, and it's not. It's not really that funny, except it was so extreme that we made a video of it because mm-hmm. it's an old hotel, so the staircases are really tight, mm. and you know we had to make so many trips yeah. up these eight, Pretty up cool. and down these eight flights with gear, and it was, it was ridiculous. <laughs> so it was like we felt like total tools. <laughs> and we're like, wow, I can't believe it's it's actually come to this. And at the time it was both hilarious and uh anger producing. Lesson <laughs>
0: learned if you're a your hotel out in the middle of nowhere. What's, first floor? What's another yeah. you
3: guys have what's I'm forgetting. My brain is it, mush this band right hasn't right right. really like, toured
2: enough to have a ton of funny stories. Right. We just kinda but yeah. it's so it's kinda new. But when you were talking about when you said anger invoking, it kinda <laughs> reminded me of <laughs> It kind of reminded me of the bus that Snarky Puppy used to have. Oh yeah, um, we had an '86 Bluebird school bus that we used to tour in. Super old, and would break down all the time. It had, it was probably like one mile to a gallon of gas. Oh wow, <laughs> I mean that's an exaggeration, but it was right, like right, yeah. horrible gas mileage. Um, that was just a money pit, and that thing broke down all the time. And just, I just remember this one time it broke down. I had AAA for my car. And so I called Chip Lay when we broke down, and I gave them all the information. And they're like, uh, "So what's your vehicle, sir?" And I was like, uh, "An '86 Bluebird <laughs> school bus." And the lady on the phone just started laughing. She was like, "Your membership doesn't cover that vehicle." <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, really?" She was like, yeah, "That's like a thousand dollars a month for that membership." Whoa. <laughs> so Whoa. I was like, oh, "Okay." So then we had to like find another way to get it fixed. That's that just popped into my head. That was kind of funny at, even at the time actually.
3: <laughs> that bus <laughs> is a story magnet. Yeah. Wow. Oh, and never it, that <clears throat> bus
2: also never turned off. Oh, what? Like it didn't turn off, like it would like you turn the key and then take it out and it would That's still be awesome. running. Just like something in in the engine would get stuck, so then even when you turned it off it would still run. So like we went I think we were going to Canada or something. And like the customs agent asked us to turn the bus off. We were like <laughs> We can't. He was like, What? And then we like showed him. We um un- turned it off and filled the key out and we were like and he was
3: like, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <clears throat> that was like the probably the end that was the final voyage of that bus. Probably. It yeah. met its demise on a Halloween night in Toronto <sighs> after playing the show. Um, s- folks broke into the bus, stole things off of it which is horrible yeah yeah and then that was my guitar decided to that's terrible that was like the worst maybe Mm -hmm. and then uh you know those buses you can you open up the engine case inside right or the part of it is inside the bus right uh or maybe
2: it was like underneath like Mm -hmm. the flaps on the side like like luggage bin but it was like
3: engine okay well uh Anyway, not only did they break into the bus and steal stuff, but they just decided to destroy the engine. They just thought it would be cool to, you know, break in, steal stuff, and then just, you know, I don't know what they did. Took a crowbar to the engine and just destroyed it. So we were stuck and had, uh, a, a you know, a paying gig and everything. The next day in, in Detroit, like, right, yeah, or, or somewhere like in Michigan. Cleveland or something, and uh, it was a Sunday. In yeah. Canada, couldn't get the bus fixed, you know, had to cancel the gig. Yeah, there was like
2: one guy who knew how to fix them in Toronto. And he was like out of town or something. Yeah. And like
3: they got it going well enough that we got down and then I think that was it. It was retired after that. It's still
2: it still actually is around. Someone was just telling me about it. You Some, could have it. <laughs> yeah. Get it for the podcast. <laughs> I don't remember who bought it, but it still exists somewhere. Wow. That's think, incredible. It, maybe in Austin or something. I don't. I don't even know where it is now. Mm. Wow.
0: So Kaita, you have uh, been working with incredible, like some of the top names, a- at least in the classical world. Yo-Yo Ma, and the Soul Brothers. What has it been like to work with them?
1: Uh, it was fun. I mean, the first, actually, the with Yo-Yo Ma, working with Yo-Yo Ma was like one of my uh, high, first, highest, you know, gig uh, situation. I was still in right before I graduate. And um yeah. So there's like a um composer from Argent Argentinian composer Osvaldo Gorihoff He wrote a piece for like a cello concerto with yo Yoyo and the Boston Symphony Orchestra. So I so the my mentor Jamie had that. he, he was one of the percussion players and um and there's another percussion player, Ciro Batista. He's um the Brazilian legend percussionist, so Siro couldn't make it, so Jamie actually um, you know, called me to do this as a sub first, so uh, that was the first time I played with orchestra ever wow. <laughs> and then first time play with like classical venue, first time play with like conductor <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't even know who the yo was at that <laughs> moment I was like, wow. kind of embarrassing but I, um, so after I got uh, Jamie asked me to do it. I was like, "Yeah, yo Yoma sounds fa- familiar, you know. I I think he plays some kind of strings instruments, you know." And then I, you know, I asked. Uh, I told my girlfriend at the time. She was like, "Who's Yo-Yo Ma? And I'm like, you don't know? <laughs> you better check it out. You know. So <laughs> He's on Sesame Street. Yeah, man. yeah. I was like, "Yeah." yeah. So was anyway, it? I did the research and I practiced and piece and stuff. And it was like a half half an hour piece. And it was a three days concert, you know, and I did a concert and yo yo was like we did a rehearsal day before or something like that, and then you know I was like twenty four three, and you know it's like no you know just just for random Asian percussion player, young <laughs> you know students, and came and you know, but he, he was like super cool, mm-hmm. you know he'd treat me like you know. I mean, you know, just same uh, musicianship and mm-hmm. stuff and he was really respect and, you know, super cool. So I didn't really get nervous actually, you know. Oh. So mm-hmm. it was really cool. I, I was like, so me, two percussion, accordion, and cello was uh, one of the soloists and then mm-hmm. with orchestra. So we did a, we play and, uh, this show was successful and, uh, the last day, I, th- the yo-yo was like, hey, uh, um, thought He was joking, but like, uh, he was just like, Okay, uh, let's switch instruments and go on a stage. <laughs> so he was just like, I thought he was joking, but like, <laughs> so the Boston Symphony Hall uh, orchestra was just standby on a stage, and uh, somehow Jamie already walked into the stage by himself. <laughs> and then me and uh, conductor and yo yo and accordion player was on us, you know, off the stage, and we were just like switching instruments. Yo yo gave. His cello to me, oh. and so I was holding YoYo's cello, and like Yo he was grabbing an accordion, and the accordion player, player, he he was wearing YoYo's glass, and we all were kind of walked in, you know, <laughs> to the <this> stage. <laughs> the funny thing was like I'm an Asian guy, and holding the cello. And I was first, like, I was walking to the stage, everybody was just clapping and stuff, <laughs> you know. So they, right. they were, they thought I'm a yo-yo man, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and then they kind of like realized oh, something wrong. And then, you know, then they start laughing and stuff. And then we kind of bow together and then just, you know, switch to the instrument back and start playing. But it was kind of like really, you know, he was so cool, you know. That's and after, cool, man. Yeah, yeah, then after that, um, I, I got, you know, cold again this project and I, you know, played like several years for this project and different times and stuff. And what uh, instrument were
2: you playing? Uh, so a like a variety th- of things. Fiberslap. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Vibraphone and, uh, you know, yeah, exactly. Wind chime,
1: yeah <laughs> a Genie. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, all this stuff and, uh, yeah. So, yeah, it was kind of cool and uh, also same thing, uh, South Brothers, like, you know, they were uh, also the Jamie calls me because he couldn't do it, and then I was sobbing. It was funny. Jamie was like, "Okay, I couldn't make make it, but you know, you have to call this guy, my former student, and then you know, once you hire him, you're not gonna call me again." That's <laughs> what Jamie told it, and then they didn't actually. They, they, I was, I, I, it just like you know, become like they're like become my like, like a Brazilian family, and mm-hmm. then we start playing together. And then they actually <laughs> didn't call Jamie back after that. <laughs> but Jamie knew it, actually. Oh, Jay- Jamie knew it. I'd be the perfect fit for the project. And then, mm-hmm. you know, he's kind of super generous guy and, then, you know, really, you know, very um, yeah, in person. So, you know, he really <laughs> actually uh, gave me so much opportunity to, you know, you know meet a great people. Yeah,
2: Jamie's you know, great.
0: So we're kind of running out of time here. Uh, one last thing, I want to hear one piece of advice that you would like to give upcoming starting musicians.
3: Zach, you want to start? Sure. Be kind to other people.
2: Hmm.
3: That's we you know we 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 were teaching and playing with some students this morning, and that's it's always one of the things that comes up in my mind speaking to to young musicians, people getting into it. Um, you have to study your instrument you have to learn the ins and outs of whatever music you're playing as best that you can and that is the bedrock of what you're doing but at the same time the way that you treat other people and the way that you relate to other people is, is really the bedrock of your career if you want to have a career in music um, I've definitely been in situations over the years having played music for so long where um You know, my attitude back when I was younger may have been funny on some sort of a thing and playing with some people and then, you know, meet one of these people years later and they're in this position of great influence and power. And I think back to, you know, what my impression on them must have been. And uh, I'm filled with regret and dread and shame. No, just kidding. No, no. But I mean, to, it act, in in all actuality, it just it, you know it makes it makes the music better. Everyone is able to to be more comfortable, be themselves. It raises the level of the music, and you have more fun.
0: You get way more opportunities being kind than not. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, that's great. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'll I'll give a piece of practical advice, which is just, uh, you know, take care of the easy stuff like. Be on time. Uh, be prepared. Like learn the music, um, and just make sure you know all the details of, of, of all of what the gig requires. You know, I mean, that's kind of like the easy things because I mean, music is hard. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and it's like you know, it takes a long time and, and to to get it all together, and, and it's a lifetime. You know, mm. and uh, there's great players who who like shoot themselves in the foot because they don't have the simple things t- together that I think, you know, it seems like anybody can, can do, can be on time to something, you know? Um, yeah. So, but not everybody can play this or that. So, you know, you might as well take care of the easy stuff right out the gate and then, <laughs> worry
0: you know, about the hard stuff. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. And then the music stuff's going to take your whole life anyway.
0: Right. So, so might as well,
2: you know, so yeah, if you can do that, uh, you know, you, you might have an edge over some people that are not prepared or, or whatnot, you know. Uh, yeah,
1: I think similar to the Bob, but, you know, just be ready anytime and, you know, don't miss the moment.
0: It's very true. Do not miss the moment. Well, <laughs> mm-hmm. you guys are performing tonight at us 360 at 7 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And be sure to come out there. This has been the Story Podcast. I got to let these guys go and get up, set up for that. Thank you so much for coming on, and I hope you guys have had a wonderful time.
2: Yeah, thanks so much for having us.
0: Well, with that said, you can find us on com. the story podcast, everywhere. The links will be in the descriptions. I want to get them out of here. We'll see you guys later. Bye. Bye.